Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, good morning, Mosaic Church. My name is Pastor Jason Montano. I'm the lead pastor of Mosaic. I welcome you both here in person to everybody who's now joining us online as well. Uh, Special Sunday, as we have Mission Sunday, comes on the heels. Uh, If you missed us last week, we sent Nick Jankowski and Don Jankowski, our our beloved uh, associate pastor and our worship leader, we sent them and commissioned them to go plant Mosaic, North Carolina, Durham. And through lots of tears, um, lots of tears... And lots of tears. We said goodbye to our friends, but at the same time had a full heart. And one of the things that was most encouraging to me as the lead pastor is to watch and listen that you get it. That you get it. That we as a church family get this idea that we are part of something so much bigger than meeting in this little room once a week and singing songs. That we are part of a movement of God to transform our community in our world, and that is our vision. And so what I was so joyous to hear is having, hearing people say, oh, this hurts so much, but this is what we do. This is what we do. Because when I sat down and started to dream of vision, said, God, what's, what are you telling us? What's different about Mosaic? As I sat down and said, God, Washington County doesn't need another church. It needs a church that's different. God, put this onto my heart that we are a church that equips, builds, and we send to transform our community and the world. And so now we literally did it. We sent our first church plant out. You're going to hear from them often, uh, and you'll hear them in multiple ways as we celebrate their movement. But today we celebrate another movement of what's happening because we are about impacting those who are necessarily, aren't from necessarily our church, but we're supporting what's happening both locally and globally. And we have a theme for our Sunday today, faith over fear, serving the unknown. Faith over fear, serving the unknown. Faith over fear. How often do we find ourselves afraid? When I was a young man, I was sitting in the congregation listening to my pastor talk, and it was Mission Sunday. And as a young, as a young person, Mission Sunday would freak me out. I didn't like it. it freaked me out. There's some guy comes in with like robes from another country. I'm like, ooh, that's freaky. I don't understand what's going on here. And they go up and they start talking in a dialect that I didn't understand. And they're telling these stories of what they're doing in other countries. And I sat in the, I sat, I kid you not, I sat there. I said, dear God, please never make me a missionary. Well, I love you, God. Like, we're cool, but do not send me to Africa. Like, I just had this fear of what missions was. And as I grew, that same feeling was there. I just, I wanted to be comfortable in what I was doing in ministry. I'll serve you, God, if I'm comfortable. But the problem with this is if you read the Bible, God never sends anybody to a place where they're comfortable. In fact, the story of God is he takes us out of our comfort. He puts us to a place in which we are not comfortable. We have to rely on him. And as we rely on him, he is the one who provides. It pushes against our American Christianity in every facet because they don't have a Starbucks where God's sending me on the mission field. Where am I going to get my latte? We start to push against, but it's so hot there. It's so cold there. I don't know the people there. We start to have all these excuses because we are not comfortable. But God never called us to be comfortable. He called you to be obedient. 
And that's who we are as a church family. I sit here today as your lead pastor, uncomfortable with losing one of my best friends at the same time celebrating obedience of a church family to send and to plant. And today you're going to hear it from two of our partners, and then we'll have a panel with a third of our partners who are going to be sharing with you what it means to be serving faith over fear. With that, I want to invite our first guest up today. Our first guest is going to be Ashley Thomas. Ashley is the director, executive director of Hope Street Ministries. has been serving that position for about 10 years. Uh, Hope Street has been from day one one of our good friends and partners. Uh, our own Michelle Willie uh, serves and works at Hope Street as well. And their ministry is reaching broken, lost people. And while they're doing this, they are able to walk with them right where they are, and finding a way for them to find and know Jesus Christ. Sounds kind of familiar, huh? Broken people finding Jesus. And as of today, over 800 people have been connected into this beautiful environment. And what's great about Ashley is that God put a vision on her heart years ago, which made her uncomfortable, which was to have a community center in the heart of Milwaukee where people can experience the love of Christ. And I'm happy to announce that vision became a reality, that a year ago, that the Shechem community, that community center Shechem was opened in the heart of Milwaukee. So please give me a round, uh, give a round of applause and help me welcome Ashley Thomas to the stage. Probably could talk loud enough for you guys. Good morning. <laughs> um, it's so good to get to be here with you and to see this space um, come to life. I was telling Pastor Jason, um, the last time I was here, a couple people from my team had come out to try to help clean up before you guys were going to like open. Um, and so it's so fun to see it now like as it is. It's beautiful. Um, so thank you for inviting me out here this morning. So this topic is something that I'm super passionate about, and it's something that I find myself talking a lot about. Um, and so I had to like make myself notes because I know I only have like a certain amount of time, and I don't want to talk all day long, although I probably could. But nobody wants to listen to that. Um, so one of the things that I get a chance uh, to write for is Just Between Us. It's a Christian magazine by um, Jill Briscoe, and my column inside of that is Outside of Your Front Door. So I often talk about what does it look like to be uncomfortable and step outside of the known spaces. And obviously, most of the time, our homes are that known, safe space. And so recently, I was like going through, trying to figure out, okay, what short things can I give you that will encourage you as you think about what this looks like for you in your own life? I found a piece of an article that I wrote, so I'm going to share that part with you before we dive in. And I wrote... My life often feels a little bit like an oxymoron. I work in the city, but I live in a very rural location on purpose. I have a heart for stepping inside of the messy and broken spaces in our community, and yet I find my peace and renewal in my home, which nestles right in between acres of woods and a cornfield. I share with people often about the importance of going where God calls you, being willing to be stretched and simply show up, and yes, yet I also understand the fear that creeps in when the what-if monster starts to fill your mind with all the possibilities you most certainly hope to ignore. And as I was thinking about that, I was thinking through one of my favorite biblical passages, which is Jesus, where Jesus meets the woman at the well, which, little tidbit there, that's why we named Shechem Shechem, that's where that took place. But in that story, you see Jesus intentionally going somewhere where he said he had to go through. And in reality, he didn't actually have to go through that location in order to get to where he was going. But he knew that he was going to meet a woman there who needed to hear 
a story that needed to know that she was loved, that her brokenness and her messiness didn't keep her from living a life that could be redeemed and reconciled and new, and living a life on purpose and on mission that would also equip her to then go out and love other people and remind them of that great love that he has for all of us. And so inside of that story, I'm going to break down here kind of three different things that I want you to consider. That first is just show up. I say this a lot at Hope Street. I mention it to people and they say, I want to volunteer, but I'm not exactly sure where or what I will be doing. And I'm like, are you willing to just show up? And sometimes when we just show up, it leaves space for other things to take place inside of you and inside of the people that you're going to interact with. And we see Jesus in that woman in the well story. He's showing up. He's sitting at that well. He's waiting. And as he's waiting, he had that opportunity to love. And that woman that he met there had the opportunity to be loved. And so part of what happens when we just show up is that we get this opportunity to actually experience what that breakdown of love is. Because sometimes that gets to be a little bit annoying when you're like, what are we going to do? We're going to love people. And it's like, great. <laughs> like, okay, what does that even look like? What does that mean? Do I have to hug them? Do I have to like tell them I love them? Um, there's lots of different things that, that that could mean for you. But what I like to think through is the first truth is that God loves you, period. He loves you. You don't have to do anything for it. He just says, you are my beloved. I have chosen you. I love you. And then if that's true, you know that you can also have this opportunity to love God. God is a relational God. He gives us this opportunity to be in relationship with him, to know him and be known by him. And then that next step is then you are worthy of love. So if you can, if God loves you, you can love God, then you ought to love yourself. And if you can love yourself, then is that next step where then you get this opportunity to love other people. And I tell members at Hope Street this a lot of times, if you're having a hard time somewhere in there, then you need to go back a step and wrestle with what is true. So if you're having a hard time loving other people, do you love yourself? If you're having a hard time loving yourself, have you embraced and accepted the fact that there's a God that loves you? So that's just something to think through as you're thinking. That's like the first step. If you haven't thought through some of those things internally first within you, sometimes we can do damage if we step out um, to serve and walk alongside other people if we haven't first embraced that great love that our Father bestows upon us. The second thing that we see in that story is uh, uh, grace. It's this incredible opportunity where Jesus says, I know everything you have done, but still... <laughs> you still have this new opportunity to no longer live that way and go this other new way. And so for us, um, and I'll talk a little bit about this in the panel later, so I won't dive into it too much, but grace is seeing people with grace-filled eyes. It's saying, I'm no more, no less broken than you are. Our brokenness may look different. It may be, has some different consequences, has been experienced by others differently, but it's still brokenness and we're all in need of a savior. When we're living within grace, there's new mercies each and every single day, and that grace empowers us to meet people where they're at, to love people well, to ask good questions, to be curious. And it also allows us to be led by the Holy Spirit. Um, oftentimes, I think we, I, because I'm a planner, so I won't even, I won't speak generally, I'll say me, I like to have a plan. I want to know what I'm going to be doing when I walk in the door, um, who I'm going to see, and that's because I want to be as productive as possible. I want to get through that checklist. And while some people appreciate that, 
Others may be kind of annoyed by that because people don't want to be somebody's checklist. We want to have this opportunity to like pause and see what is it that someone actually needs for the day. And we can't do that if we're not living inside of that grace that God's given us for that day and we're not living inside of what the Spirit is prompting us in that moment. Sometimes it says, put that checklist to the side, Ashley, and see that person in front of you. This meeting may take an hour and it's going to be an hour you didn't plan for, but it's an hour that that person needs to know that they're loved, that they're seen, and that there is an opportunity to go about life a different way. And then that also, that grace also gives us that comfort and trust to actually leave behind our agenda. Um, And I've experienced that in so many ways, um, especially as Jason had mentioned in the last seven years as we we're going about building this community center that I knew or I had the strong inclination that God was asking us to build, and yet it took over seven years. <laughs> and I had to daily trust and know that I had to be comfortable with being uncomfortable, that I didn't have an answer for people all the time. And then the last thing um, that we see in that story, and this is like one of my favorite parts of the story, is the woman leaves behind her Um, water jar, the thing that she had come to this well to pull water from, she leaves that water jar behind and she immediately goes back to the town that she's been outcast from and, and shares the good news. She immediately says like, hey, I met this man. He knew everything that I've ever done. Could he be the Messiah? And when I think about transformation, um, it is not behavior modification, right? We can get really good at being like, do this, then this, and then it'll equal this. Although sometimes life doesn't work that way. And so transformation takes place over time as we walk in the uncomfortable spaces, as we pause, as we ask God, what is it that you're asking us to do? And then step with me and walk with me as I step into that obediently. Within transformation, there also comes this opportunity for reciprocity. Um, I have this painting in my house of Jesus and the woman at the well. Imagine that, because it's my favorite story. And... In the picture that I have, Jesus' hands are open. And I find that to be so profound because if you look at the beginning of the story, Jesus asked that woman for a glass of water. And I think oftentimes when we see that passage, we think all about what Jesus did for her. And yet we see our Savior modeling what it looks like to have this reciprocal relationship where it's not just one way. It's not just saying, what can I do for you? But what do you have for me? How can I grow? How can I better become the person that God wants me to be. So when you think about stepping outside of your front door, I get it. I was talking to a woman out front, and I had the same very real fear when it came to being in the city of Milwaukee. And that's where Hope Street is. But Hope Street isn't, isn't necessarily going to be for everybody, and that's okay. Hey, Jason said he didn't want to go to Africa. I think that God places certain spaces and places and people in our hearts. And sometimes that's in your own home. I love your guys' tagline. I've always loved it or your motto, or I'm sorry if I'm saying that the wrong way, but love where you live. Some of you in different seasons are going to be called to love the people in your home because that's who needs you most right now. Some of you are in a season where you feel like, hey, I think I'm going to branch out and maybe I'll love some of my neighbors and the people on my block. For others, it may be here in Slinger. Maybe you'll make it Milwaukee. Maybe you'll make it another country. Wherever that is that God's calling you to do it, know that often when we feel least equipped 
meaning that we're scared or terrified of what could happen, those are the times and spaces where God uses us most because we're not trying to rely on our own power, our own knowledge, our own agendas, or whatever that thing may be. We're instead saying, I want to live inside of your grace, inside of your will, and be completely led by your Holy Spirit because then I know that my agendas are pure. (laughs) I can see the people that you've placed in front of me. I could be comfortable with just like pausing and I'm maybe not getting anything tangibly done, but the person that's sitting across from me sees and knows that I've chosen to spend time with them. And that makes a huge difference. So love who you find, where you are right now in the season and be good with that. Loved people, I say this all the time, loved people love better. So as cliche and annoying as loving sounds, we just get to operate outside, outside of something that's more deep and more pure, and that's God's love. And his love transforms all things, our fears, our insecurities, our perspectives, and it tears down barriers that, keeps, that keep God's people apart. So praying for you guys as you discern and figure out where that is that you feel like God's calling you, but trust and know that even people like me, I drive 45 minutes into the city each day, and I now have a nine-month-old at home, and I still have moments where that fear creeps in, and I ask, am I doing the right thing? And I hear God whisper, if you're with me, you are. Man, I absolutely, um, I love, am I on? Am I good? Love what you said. Um, this is, the, this is the crazy part of God and his story. Uh, one of the things that pushed me to plant, I don't know if you heard the theme through there, is that in the American version of faith, um, I'm going to speak directly to males right now. It doesn't seem like much of an adventure. It seems very emotional. We sing songs, love songs, because guys love singing love songs, right? We sing love songs. We like the learning part. I'll learn stuff. But we aren't activated. But what you're going to hear today through multiple partners and through our story is God has not called you to learn. He called you to learn to activate. That we are here in training for you to go do the job that God's called you to, which is to make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. And if you believe, and maybe we're a little too polished on the stage, you believe like, oh, every day I'm like, oh, I have so much faith and this is so great. You heard Ashley's story. You've heard my story. And you heard Nick's story. It's not that we know all the answers, it's that we just trust and are obedient. We get scared, we're unsure, we have doubts, just like everyone else in the Bible. But don't let those doubts stop you from the adventure of being on mission with God. And as a guy, when I started activating my faith, I'm like, this is the greatest, craziest, most awesome adventure ever. And my DNA is to be a swashbuckler, man. I'm in the front line waving lightsabers. I'm waving white sabers and I'm fighting enemies. Like that's how my DNA, how God made me. And so when I saw that God has a bigger journey for me than just simply what makes me comfortable, it actually turned my faith into becoming a church planter and being here today. I went from a little boy who said, don't send me to Africa to God, here I am, send me wherever you want. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit transforming us and being a part of his great mission for us. At this time, I'm going to invite uh, Michael Strand to join us. Michael and Leah Strand are actually one of our very first missionaries that we support as a church family. If you've been here for a little while, you've seen a video of them uh, probably about a year ago or so uh, from Bosnia. Uh, They are uh, good friends and partners of ours, uh, Community Church West Bend and Alliance Church. 
Uh, I got to know Michael as we were talking about partnership and learning about us planting Mosaic Church. Uh, great church family, great church community. Michael and Leah were sitting in the congregation just like you and heard the calling from God to go. And as you listen to the story, hear what that sounds like that. We call this a second career missionary, which means they didn't come like out of college and say, I want to be sent somewhere. Uh, Michael was working in IT at Northwestern Mutual downtown. Uh, great job, doing well. Leah, she's there, she's homeschooling, she's taking care of her family. And they saw and heard the calling on their life to go. If you've been around Mosaic for a while now, you're starting to get the theme of how we roll. So if this scares you off, uh, don't be scared because this is what God calls all of his people to do is that we are open-handed. And like Ashley said, to love where you live. Not all of you are going to be called to Bosnia. Not all of you are going to be called to Milwaukee. You are called to make a difference in your community, in your neighborhood, and in your home. Love where you live and use your gifts and talents to transform the world. So without any further ado, uh, please help me in joining, giving a great thank you and a gift of applause to our brother, Michael Strand. There we go. Now I'm on. Good morning. Thank you for having us here. Yeah, my name is Michael Strand, and as uh, a great introduction, yeah, we lived in West Bend for 13 years before we went. And so this is familiar ground. I was sitting on the elder board when Jason came and we talked together. So we've known each other for several years. Faith over fear. Uh, I grew up in southern Wisconsin, down near Lake Geneva. Went to school in Milwaukee, lived in Madison, back in this area. I'm a southern Wisconsin boy. That's where I was from. But this now feels like home. This is the city of Sarajevo in Bosnia-Herzegovina. We lived up on the, the left, about halfway up the mountain. We'll tell you more as we go. I think you said I have 45 minutes? <laughs> oh, no, 15, 15, 15, 15. Oh, sorry, 15, sorry. 50, 50. <laughs> uh, if you go to the next slide. This is our family. Uh, this is last week. We were up at a, a camp up in the UP. Uh, we have five children. As you can tell, they don't quite physically look like us. We adopted all of our children from South Korea as infants. Uh, wonderful family. When we went, we left two, kind of three, and we took two with us. Our one middle son was with us for a year, and then returned. So it, it disrupted our family. But when God calls you, you take that step. Where is Bosnia? Anyone know? Without looking at the map? <laughs> Okay. Have you heard of Yugoslavia? Okay. Bosnia is one of the six or seven countries, republics that made up Yugoslavia that split up in a rather violent fashion back in the 1990s. So you can see Bosnia down here in the center, um, just to the east of Italy. If you go to the next slide, we'll zoom in a little bit. You can see a little more. There's Italy, Bosnia. Um, you'll see Greece. We've heard of Greek culture, you know, those philosopher guys. Down here in the, the lower right, remember that. Remember where Macedonia is. You see just above Greece, Macedonia, Bosnia, Croatia. This is home for us now. We know these places. If you can keep going through. This is kind of a picture of the, the country zooming in further. Sarajevo is here in the middle, lower, kind of lower middle. That's where we lived. It's a very mountainous country. 
Uh, it's actually a continuation of the Alps down the east side of the Adriatic. So it's called the Dinaric Alps that we are in the middle of. Go to the next slide. At the end of the war, this is a very pluralistic area of the world. Pluralistic means lots of different worldviews, much more than in the United States. It's, it's an old part of the world. I'll get into that in a little bit. But coming out of the war, it's now very, very, very segregated. The people enjoy one another, but politically and culturally, uh, they will separate into um, various areas of the country, which is what this map is showing. You can go to the next slide. It is an old country. I, I mentioned um, there's a whole history. I could talk to you for an hour about the history. I love history. Even from Romans, Romans 15 says, what Paul wrote, I've preached the gospel from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum. Where's Illyricum? Welcome to Croatia and Bosnia. This is where the gospel is proclaimed way back when. Roman emperors were from here, Diocletian, Constantine. There was an early church. This, this uh, ruin I have a picture of here is in central Bosnia. It was a church building from the 4th or 5th century. So there's, there's a long, long history. But it's also a very divided country. I won't spend more time there, but there's a lot. If you go to the next slide. What is what's the population? What are the demographics like? About 3.5 million people divided between Muslim, Eastern Orthodox. You might not have heard of that, but it's a major wing of the Christian church and also Roman Catholic. It's a it, fascinating country. However, you notice I don't have Protestant up there. I don't have Evangelical. I'm guessing there's uh, 80, 80 people here, maybe 100 people this morning. In the city of Sarajevo, 350,000 people, the size of Madison. All of the Protestant believers of any flavor would be about this many, maybe 80 to 100. That's what the situation is like. That's what life is like. It's very different, and yet very similar. Let's go on to the next slide. So I saw this theme, faith over fear, serving the unknown. What is that? Well, if you go to the next slide, here are some definitions. Faith is reliance upon and trust in God, or that which evokes trust and faith, the state of being. It's this verb of faith, but also a noun, someone in whom we have confidence, and that confidence can be placed. That's the, that's the meaning of the word faith in the, the original Greek text. What is fear then? This isn't like the holy reverent fear that we're to have for God. I'm taking this as the fear of, <gasps> I'm afraid, I'm not going to act. It's an emotional response to perceived threats or dangers. Unease, apprehension, anxiety. Anyone ever have those? Every day? <laughs> Let's see an example of that. Oh, but first, to the unknown. Unknown to whom? An important question. Let's consider a man named Saul, who later became called Paul. In Acts 13, beginning of Acts 13, we see a church in a city called Antioch in modern-day Turkey. Do you remember last winter there was a big earthquake in Turkey? That city, the city that was hit, is Antioch. It's the same city. 
They're sitting there praying. And the Holy Spirit comes and said, set aside Barnabas and Paul. I have a work for them. Maybe as you guys are sitting around praying, they will, the Holy Spirit will speak and say, set aside Nick. I have a work for him. Do you act in obedience or don't you? You did. And I, I, I honor you. I congratulate you. I respect you for sending out your pastor. What if it's Jason next? What if it's someone else? The church acted and they sent out um, Saul and Barnabas. If we go to the next slide. They're traveling through. Paul and Barnabas and others were traveling along with Timothy through what is now Turkey. And they wanted to go up into northern Turkey. And the Spirit said, no. And they would try it again. The Spirit said, no. But the Spirit of Jesus pointed them a different way. Paul received a vision, and there's a man from Macedonia. Remember the country on the map I showed you? Just north of Greece, Macedonia? Paul, in a vision, in a dream, saw this man from Macedonia saying, come, come here, come help us. And so Paul and Timothy went. The first time that the gospel went out of Asia into Europe that we know of is right there in that story. Next slide. Another chapter later, Paul is in Athens, the intellectual capital of the world. In our culture, maybe it would be a Stanford, a Harvard, a uh, Cambridge. And Paul starts to address the Areopagus, the, the, the intellectual elite of that time. He said, or the text says, So Paul stood before the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I see that you are very religious in all respects. For as I went around and observed closely your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship without knowing it, this I proclaim to you. He's calling their bluff. He's saying, what you guys are ignorant about, I'm going to proclaim to you, to the intellectual elites of his day. This is a step into the unknown, into their unknown God. He is proclaiming to them. If you go to the next slide. So what does this unknown faith look like? How many remember the old Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom movie? I'm dating myself. Let's go through these next slides kind of quick. Remember, he comes to the big chasm, and he sees there's nothing there. It's a big, wide space, and he has to get to the other side to save his, his father, who's been struck by something. So he looks up. He's like, this is a huge chasm. What am I going to do? He kind of offers a little prayer. If you go to the next slide. He's like, oh, what am I going to do? He takes his foot and puts it up. The next slide. And he takes a step. And all of a sudden... There's, this, there's a, a gate or a, 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 um, a ramp, a bridge that he didn't see that was right in front of him. Is this what faith is? Maybe a little bit, but not entirely. He was stepping out into something he didn't know, and he didn't know who he was trusting. I would suggest there is someone that we can trust and goes beyond this level of faith. Let me tell you a little about our story. You go on another couple of slides. The unknown is the family named Strand. 
This was me in the beginning of 2019. As Jason mentioned, uh, I was a IT. I worked in. I was an information architect, Northwestern Mutual. These are the shots that I worked, for, you know, from where I worked. Um, you can see the lakefront there, Veterans Park. This was my world for 23 years. Okay, corporate world, doing different things, serving in the church. My wife's working at home. We're busy with kids. Life is busy. Got the house. You got cars to maintain, all this sort of stuff. You go to the next slide. Six months later, this is my world. We landed in Sarajevo in August, August 6th, uh, 2019. Our team picked us up, dropped us off at the, the flat that we were staying at, level of a house. We're with us for about a half hour, and then they left so that we could recover from jet lag and everything, try and figure out which way it was up. My teammate wanted a ride home. So I drove her home. She handed me the keys to the car I was going to be driving. She said, here, you know, drive. Narrow streets. I can't read the sign. My phone, Google Maps don't work yet because I am not set up with the SIM chip. Manual transmission. I've, I learned on manual. It's a blessing. I had not driven manual in 20 years, maybe. And it's a mountainous community. So, you're on steep hills. I drive her down in the city, drop her off, and she's like, have a nice day, you know, we'll see, we'll touch base tomorrow. And I have to drive home. Trying to remember the streets that I was on. The street here in front of you, that's a two-way street with cars parked all along the side. Uh, that, this is a mosque. You can see uh, the men worshiping outside here. This is our neighborhood. We ended up walking by here every day for four years. It's not knowing the territory. If you go to the next slide, it's not knowing the language or the culture. You don't understand? This is what it was like. You land, and everything, that's what you're hearing. That passage is Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for, being convinced of what we do not see. Are we convinced of it? That was August 2019. You go to the next slide. February 2020, six months later. Get a call. My father got gravely ill very quickly. Less than 24 hours, he's dead. Um... It, it, a total shock. He, he's 88, so not a young man, but he was healthy. He was making a fire in the fireplace that morning, started to not feel well, went to the hospital, and that was it. Community church, we, we flew home, and community paid for our trip. You want a practical way to serve missionaries. I'm not asking for handouts, but if you want practical ways to serve people, that's a way. We buried my father. We were here back in Wisconsin for about a week and a half. Went back to Bosnia. Two weeks later, lockdown. COVID hit. It was a blessing that my father died before COVID hit. If we go to the next slide. When you live overseas, you register with the U.S. State Department, the, the embassy, and they send you information about events, activities, protests, things going on. Tuesday, March 31st, this was the email I received. 
the government of BIH, Bosnia-Herzegovina, has implemented measures to limit the spread of COVID-19. Sarajevo Airport is closed to commercial travel starting Mar March 30th, the day before I received this. Schools and universities are closed until further notice. Sporting events, festivals, large gatherings have all been banned. I know there was curfews and th or there was lockdown things here. This is what we faced. A curfew is in place throughout the entire country from, from 8 p.m. to 5 a.m. every day. No one can be out. And those under 18 years of age and over 65 of years of age cannot leave their homes at any time. We've been there six months, trying to learn the language, trying to figure things out, not understanding this is what it was like. If you go to the next slide, a few days later, the U.S. Embassy has arranged for a flight opportunity for U.S. citizens to depart the country. Details were sent out to those registered with STEP, that's the notification program, in an alert message. The State Department urges you to consider this opportunity. There might not be another. That's from our U.S. government urging us to leave. Faith over fear, the unknown. We stayed. What choice do you have? We stayed and lived through COVID in Bosnia-Herzegovina. The healthcare facilities there are not like they are here. Everything is different, yet we stayed. The lockdowns there didn't last as long as here, or as things, within about six months, things were kind of ah, back open again. So it was good. Next slide. There was a war in Bosnia from 1992 to 95. The city of Sarajevo was under siege for three years, over three years. The longest siege of a city in modern history. We have lots of friends who lived through that. We have friends whose family members died in this. There's been political instability ever since. Well, May 30th, a few months ago, Leah and I were sitting, having just a normal medical checkup, sitting in a uh, waiting room and watching the TV, and we start to see something that's going to happen. And it's, again, all in local language, and we're reading it going, I, I think I understand what that says, but I'm not sure. So we went home and looked more. The instability had gotten to a point that our U.S. ambassador, Michael Murphy, down in the lower left, called the Bosnian government the day before and said, just to make sure nothing happens, we're going to send two B-1B bombers and a low flyover over Sarajevo tomorrow. Sovereign country and the U.S. government said, we're doing this. I'm not saying right or wrong. I'm just saying this is what happened. Living into the unknown. This is what life is like. This is our experience. At the same time, I'm painting a dark picture, aren't I? At the same time, the people are lovely. The people are so relational. <laughs> Have to go away and get away from Starbucks? We don't, you know, what are we gonna do without Starbucks? Let me tell you, the coffee in Bosnia is a whole lot better than Starbucks. <laughs> a whole lot better than Dunn Brothers, a whole lot better. 
it's very difficult to find good coffee here. <laughs> We've become coffee snobs. The food is wonderful. The people are relational. They love to go out and walk and be together and talk. Um, through all these things, we had friends coming over and helping us and serving us and just laying down their lives for us because they knew that we were out of our comfort zone. But it also took faith, faith in our Lord and faith in our friends. We learned so much. So let's go one more slide. From the unknown to the known, it's not the amount of your faith. We know this passage. Jesus said, if you have faith like a mustard seed, you can tell this mountain to be lifted up and moved. Speaking metaphorically, it's not the amount of your faith. It's the one in whom you have faith. It's the object of your faith. If we went back to that definition of what faith is, faith is that which evokes trust and faith. The state of being, someone in whom confidence can be placed, his faithfulness, his reliability, fidelity, commitment. I would suggest to you, we have that one to put our faith in, Jesus Christ. He's the one that came. Let's go to another slide. We have one who knows. This is a part of a psalm. King David, if you remember in the Old Testament, before he became king, he was chased by another king, Saul, who wanted to kill him. And when he was being chased, this is what David wrote. My soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fiery beasts, the children of man, whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp as swords. That sounds pretty dark, pretty desperate. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. He praises the one in whom he can trust. They set a trap for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into it themselves. Almost a little bit of vindictiveness. Or it's like, ha, huh, they fell into it. Yet my heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. In the midst of being chased by a king, being threatened with death, he says, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations, among all peoples. For your steadfast love is great to the heavens and your faithfulness to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. So, when we have political problems here, does everyone... <laughs> I'll go political because I haven't been here. Does everyone agree with everything that all of our governments are doing? Let's raise your hand if you agree with everything that every aspect of government's doing. Ah, no one. It doesn't surprise me. In the midst of that, can we say, be exalted, O God, above the heavens, and let your glory be over all the earth? There's so much more. There's so many ways we can serve into the unknown. Jason was telling us about the, the school across the street. Serve into it. If, it's, if you're working in an accounting firm, if you're working at a, uh, in a waste collection facility, if you're selling cars, if you're a doctor, serve into it. And if he calls you to go somewhere, serve into it. Maybe it's North Carolina. Maybe it's Bosnia-Herzegovina. Yes. <laughs> Maybe it is Africa. 
And, and maybe it's a dark place of Hartford. You know. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. I don't know. Or, or it could be West Bend, our hometown. Serve into it. If you go ahead, a couple things to think about. In the midst of fear and the unknown, in whom is your faith? Is it in yourself? Is it in others? Is it in government? Is it in politics? Is it in sports? Is it in the Packers? We're just going to ignore what's going on. Is it in music? Is it in substances and alcohol? Or is it in someone who is faithful? Is it in our triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit? Who is our faith in? And in the midst of fear and the unknown, do you, do I, can we cry out with David? Can we say, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is great to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. I thank you for your support, your prayers, uh, finances, and I would encourage you to serve, to put your faith in the one who is faithful. And might you be blessed this morning. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. American culture is that we love heroes. We love heroes. We love hero stories. We love superheroes. Um, I love Marvel. I love Star Wars. I mean, you guys know all that stuff. Uh, we love heroes. It's something we don't talk about with our heroes, that our heroes, it's not an interesting story if the guy sits there on the couch eating chips, watching Packer games. That's not a hero. And all of us at some point are starting to think about what kind of legacy am I leaving? What kind of legacy? Am I making a difference in the world? Have I made a difference? And now I lay in my bed, and these are my last moments. Have I done something with my life? Heroes are the ones who get off the couch and change the world. And changing the world might be one human who lives next to you in your neighborhood. Might be that person who lives in Milwaukee. Might be that person who lives in Bosnia. And as a church family, we are building heroes. Not for our glory or our namesake or our story, we're building heroes of faith to go and do what God has called them to do, which is transform the community and the world. And as you hear these different stories of what's happening in Milwaukee, uh, what's happening across the world in Bosnia, and we're going to add another partner to this of what's happening locally in West Bend and Washington County, I want you to start to process the thought and this idea of what is God calling you to? Is God calling you to something greater than yourself? Because any great hero story has tension in which a hero must make a choice. Every hero story, there's a choice that has to be made. Not because we are great, but if God calls you to that place, are you willing to take the step that takes you out of your comfort zone to do something great for the kingdom of God? Because God says, that which is done for the world will be burned and done. Congratulations, you got your worth. But that which is done for the kingdom lasts forever for the glory of God. So would you please join with me? I want to give uh, just worship and praise and pray for these two ministries as we invite our panel to come get set up. Pray. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering. 
for service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world, visit us at mosaicwi.com.